On today's episode of the Wave Podcast, we have the Ravens' season is over. It's Baltimore over. The Ravens losing the AFC Championship 17-10 to the Chiefs. Josh and I, unfortunately, have to break it all down. We talk about really what went wrong, why the game plan didn't work, why the game plan was trash, um, and ultimately where to point fingers and who to blame and why we didn't win this game. We're also taking a look at some of the fallout after this game. Uh, Mike McDonald is being hired by the Seahawks as their new head coach. He is likely taking some of the members of the Ravens coaching staff with him to be his coordinators. The Ravens have lost other personnel members and other coaches as well around the league. This is a tough time for Baltimore. We're at an organizational crossroads, so Josh and I talk about what it means and how we're going to get through it. Uh, We're looking at who Mike McDonald's replacement should be, and we're looking at just exactly how we're going to get through this. We're also taking a look at John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh has been the subject of conversation really anytime the Ravens lose, but especially at the end of the season when we don't win a Super Bowl. I give my thoughts on John Harbaugh. Josh gives his thoughts on John Harbaugh and ultimately where we both stand on him moving forward and how the future of this team looks with him at the helm. We're also talking Lamar Jackson, why the future is bright with him and why he is still the guy that we believe that can lead us to a Super Bowl championship. Speaking of the Super Bowl, we do talk a little bit about this year's Super Bowl. It is currently set. 49ers will be taking on the Chiefs out in Vegas. 49ers are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. We give our early thoughts as to who we like in the game. And finally, we have to wrap up with the best news of the week. The Orioles are being sold. John Angelos is out. David Rubenstein, Cal Ripken Jr., and company are in. This is great news for Baltimore. We are ecstatic about it. This is completely going to change the franchise for the better, of course. We break it all down. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, thank you for rocking with us week in, week out. Without further ado, let's go. Episode 90. Welcome back to the Wave Podcast. Today is Thursday, February 1st, 2024. Officially turning the page on January. Uh, Josh, I saw the look on your face. I thought the same exact thing when I just looked up and saw the calendar. Uh, I was like, shit, we're officially through January. The longest month of the year is finally over. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a brutal one. <laughs> brutal for brutal for many different reasons especially for those of us who live in this geographic region of the country or are fans of teams in this geographic region of the country um josh how you doing not great dante i i i I felt better i definitely felt better that elmo uh that elmo tweet or he took the x whatever they want to call it now where elmo was asking how people are doing did not come at a great time you know Him and Marlon Humphrey's tweets about, you know, let's have a positive day or whatever, really put the whole, hey, maybe we should take a break from social media thing into perspective. But uh, I, I felt better. I've I definitely felt better. You know, I can relate. I can for sure relate to that. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> we'll get into it here shortly. Um, 
I was thinking the other day, Tuesday, I think this week is when I had this thought. My life would be so much different if I just wasn't as invested into the sports teams that I am. Like, if I was just born with a little different mental wiring, I'd probably be a much happier person than I am. And I feel like I'm a pretty happy person, but Sunday was legitimately like the worst day of my life. <laughs> and no joke. Yeah. 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 I will remember January. What was it? January 28th. Yeah. January yep. 28th. I'll remember that as the, one of the worst days of my life for the rest of my life. Like, yep. Yep. Just, just yeah. Not great. <laughs> not great. And, uh, you know, I, I also, you know that, you know, the meme from real bros of Simi Valley, I'm not having a good time. Yeah. That's been me all week. Yeah, same, same. I, I like you also had the thought of like, what if I just wasn't a sports fan or what if I just like gave all this whole sports thing up? I had to find a new career. Oh, yeah. But like, if I just legit just gave this up as my hobby, I was like, what would I like? What would I do on my Sundays besides like go to church and like hang out with people? Like, it'd be so empty and boring. Like, and then I thought maybe, I don't know. I, I legit don't know what I would do. Maybe I just go full on into music festivals and EDM in that culture. But like, that's also really expensive and not, you know, just. <laughs> Sports are a cheaper option, the best option for me. So, you know what? Yeah, We're here. I like. I'm. 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 I'm too far gone at this point. I'm just too yeah. invested. Where this is my life. This is what I do with my free time. Um, there's no running from it. And even if I wanted to give it up, which I certainly thought about this week, um, I don't even. I don't know what I would do. I mean, right. I like. I, I play video games. I watch movies, and nothing. Nothing scratches that itch, like watching football and baseball does. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, a little bit more optimistic on the baseball side of that, uh, which we will talk about today. Um, but we, uh, unfortunately have to address the 50 fucking ton elephant in the room. That is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so with that, we'll just go ahead and get right into it. Um, this one before I'll preface our conversation, this one at times, at least for me is going to feel like a group therapy session. I may get unhinged. I may go off the rails. I might go on tangents. I'm just warning you all right now. And uh, for those of you that stick around, I love you and I appreciate you. Um, the Ravens lose the AFC championship. Final score of 17 to 10 to Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I, uh, I don't really know what to start with on this one other than my biggest fear coming into not even this game uh really just the playoffs as a whole was realized on Sunday um I think I said to you multiple times I know I talked to a bunch of people and said this the team in the AFC that I was most afraid of was us I was afraid that the Ravens would get in their own way as they've done multiple times in the past playoffs and regular season alike um and beat ourselves we've proven all season long that we're capable of beating any team in the NFL. We've done it. We've beat the best um, outside of really the chiefs and the bills were the only two teams that I think you could put in that upper echelon that we didn't beat. Um, we beat the San Francisco 49ers fairly handedly. I'd say um, we beat the Detroit lions in just a flat out ass whooping. Um, we beat, I mean, who we beat the dolphins. We put up 50 on them. Did we mention the Seahawks beat- game? Like, I was just about to say we beat the Seahawks when they were the number two seed in the NFC. Um, we handed we handled our business damn near every time we were supposed to, or or maybe even not supposed to against teams that were, you know, in the in the words of Mike Florio, supposed to kick the shit out of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and my only fear 
not not only my biggest fear coming into the playoffs was the Ravens getting in their own way and beating themselves. And really, like for for lack of better analysis, that's exactly what happened. You know, like that's I, I the Chiefs the Chiefs flat out were the better team on Sunday. I don't know that there's any way around that just because the Ravens played in a way that they hadn't played all year. I think across the board, with the exception of maybe a couple guys on the Ravens side, it was collectively the worst showing of the season. And that includes the Pittsburgh game. That includes the Colts game. That includes the games that we lost, even the, the, the bad games that we won, you know, Arizona comes to mind in, in that camp. The Chargers game, there were still a lot of things that like you can, we, we pointed to at that time, like this sucks, but like, yes. Hey, this was a good bright spot. I, yes. yeah, I don't have a whole lot. I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off. But I don't have a whole lot no, of you're good. bright spots for, I don't have a whole lot of offensive bright spots for Sunday. Um, yeah. Last yeah. This Sunday. So yeah. I, 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 I'm, to you. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. So we'll, uh, I think, I think the best place to start there would be the talking point that everybody's made this week, as far as the game goes, specifically the game plan. Um, we talked about it last week in our breakdown or in our preview, I should say. Um, it was one of my keys to victory. Uh, the Ravens just didn't run the ball coming into the game. It's the most baffling point that came out of Sunday. The Ravens number one rushing team in the NFL. The Chiefs defense was 28th against the run in the league. The Buffalo Bills last week put up 184 rushing yards on the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And if it wasn't for a missed field goal late, that game goes into overtime. Who knows? Maybe the maybe the Bills win. Maybe the Chiefs find a way to win because it's Patrick Mahomes and them. But regardless, the Ravens came into the game as the number one rushing team in the NFL. I mean, and historically good, like not something that we're not used to over the last couple of years, obviously, but the Ravens team was averaging like 160 something yards on the ground per game. And mm-hmm. I don't know where that ranks as far as all time, but it's gotta be up there. At least that's what I'd imagine. So the fact that we're sitting here and we can look at a box score and say, people not named Lamar Jackson had a combined eight carries eight combined rushing attempts between our running backs and our wide one wide receiver. Like, that's just flat-out inexcusable. Terrible game plan coming in. And for as great as Todd Munkin was last week making adjustments, he was the opposite this week. And I don't want to put the blame solely on Todd Munkin, even though he probably deserves a lot of it. There's a lot of people who have and will continue to catch strays from this conversation. But everyone involved should look at themselves in the mirror and be like, why the fuck did we not run the football? Because the fact that we dropped back on what, whatever it was, 82% of our plays, and we only lost by seven points. We were in the game the entire time, and we mm-hmm. dropped back on 82% of our plays, 40-sometimes Lamar dropped back to throw the ball. And we only lost by seven points. That should tell you right there, if you stick to the game plan that you should have had, or maybe mm-hmm. they did have, maybe they didn't, I don't know. You stick to the game plan that you should have had, you're probably talking about a double-digit win which I think is why it's so frustrating for me sitting here on Wednesday and still upset about it. Um, but anyway, that, that to me was the biggest, you know, story of the game. Um, for, first quarter had all the makings of an all-time classic game. Looked like it was going to be a shootout. Looked like it was going to be back and forth between Lamar and Mahomes, which I think is what everybody wanted, to be honest. Um, but 
the rest of the game, it was just not that. Lamar played poorly. I think we can all comfortably admit that maybe not all of all all his fault, but really just didn't play a good game. Our defense did exactly what they were supposed to do. Defense was unbelievable. Um, Steve Spagnuolo on the other side, I think, deserves a ton of credit because his defensive schemes were impeccable on Sunday. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, the Ravens came up short once again, something that we've dealt with over the last couple of years. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that aspect of it uh, a little bit more in depth here, but that's uh, that's what I had as far as the the story of the game goes. So before we go ahead and get into the weeds, Josh, um, give me your how'd you feel after the game? How are you feeling now? Uh, I, give me just your, I can't really your, your say thoughts. on camera. I can't really say on camera how I felt after the game. I'm pretty sure that my mom and you know a lot of people close to me are very disappointed with some of the choice words I had driving in the car two hours. So a little bit of context from my end of the story. I didn't actually watch home. Usually I watch games by myself. I actually went to Greensboro, North Carolina to watch with a group of Ravens friends, uh, Ravens fans, friends of mine, and their families um, close by. Couldn't get to Baltimore. Didn't want to go to the bar in Charlotte because that's too far away. It was a good compromise, like make a day trip out of it. So watched with them. So watching the game, I surprisingly, if you can believe it or not, knowing how neurotic I am about the Ravens, I was trying my best to be the calm and like, you know, the, uh, <laughs> I was doing my best to be the calm and rational one, just trying to rationalize everything that's going on. Like watch the game be like, okay, maybe this could be better. Like I noticed early on they were stacking a box. So I'm thinking, okay, let's get some play action going, you know, throw the ball across the middle to a tight end, get the running backs involved the a gaps because they can't stop us in the a gap you know they couldn't i i still don't know why we didn't go there at all like it, it baffles me but again i'm not a football coach i don't know what the set game plan was early on whatever so i'm watching the game and kind of catching the flow of the game and you kind of notice time start ticking away like man we're still hanging in there we got it and then there were just like, I feel like there were three back breaking plays when you really look at it it was the act like Four back-breaking plays. First one was the Zay, like, he catches the ball. I wish he would have kept running instead of kind of juking and stutter-stepping, but, you know, whatever. Yep. Catches the ball, gets tackled. Guy's holding on to his ankle, pushes him off, and they call a taunting call. I don't know what – I don't really – I didn't think that was taunting. Um, I don't think taunting should be a thing. For once in my life, I agree with Joe Burrow on something in the year. Agreed. It's just asinine to me. I don't know what Sean Smith and his crew were thinking, but, you know. Let the boys whatever. Talk. Yeah, let the like if you want to if you don't want him to talk, then stop him. As simple as that. Like if you don't want him to dance. Well, and what's crazy? What's crazy to me? And you know, for as as idiotic as Big Cat and PFTR on part of my take, like this was one take that I think they nailed. We're talking about grown men here. Like it's one right. thing in college if you want to stick to the crutch of you know, oh they're amateurs. Sure, right. whatever. Okay. Right. That's at least like that can be sold. In the NFL, like these are grown men playing the playing a sport that's as close to the gladiator Coliseum events in yeah. Rome in ancient Rome. Like these men are, are playing the most violent game on earth, arguably and right. getting paid very handsomely to do so. Like, right. I forget who it was, but there was a, a, a tweet going around Sunday after Zay got called for taunting and it made me laugh. It was like, uh, that's one thing that I want with my football is etiquette. Look, right. Like, Come on, man. Like, Listen, if, if, if it's it's one thing, if yeah. it's going to be called for everything, right? If you're going to call taunting on Zay, it's got to be called on on Travis Kelsey for what he was doing all day. And yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here complaining about the refs. I know a lot of people have been all, all, all I'm week. not going to, yeah, no, I'm, we beat ourselves. We said it all year. We beat for ourselves. Sure. I'm not going to complain for about, sure. I'm not complaining about the refs. However, there were some things that could have gone our way 
that would have mm-hmm. helped us a little bit that should have that I think should have went our way. I don't think the game's called fairly, but we also shot ourselves in the foot. I'm not gonna no do that question. at a paper cut when we have a bullet wound in our own leg. Like that's that's a great that's actually perfectly said. I can't but, be mad about, I can't be mad about that, but it does play. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But but the the point that I'm the point that I'm trying to make is like yeah. if you're gonna call taunting for what Zay did, which I guess by letter of the law, it was taunting because he stood over him and he flexed. If if he turns if he turns around and faces towards the end zone and flexes, he probably doesn't get called. Maybe he does. I don't know. But anyway, like I said, I'm not I'm not here to complain about the refs. They certainly missed a few calls, but I think they missed a few calls on both ends. And ultimately, the Ravens the Ravens lost with or without the refs. I don't care. Right. Correct. Correct. Um, Absolutely. If you're gonna if you're gonna flag Zay for what he did, you got to flag Travis Kelsey for what he was doing. And frankly, people should be if, if if what Zay did was taunting, people should be flagged every time they score a touchdown. Yeah. Right. And they Absolutely. and they do a celebration. Yeah. If if you're gonna flag, it, it can't be a pick and choose type thing. It's either got to be completely consistent calling everything or completely yeah. consistent calling nothing and just letting them do what they do. Now, obviously, okay. you can't have fights break out and everything. That is where the line gets drawn, of course. But if it's harmless, you know, flexing or jawing at somebody. Yeah. We're talking about grown men here, grown men playing a very violent game that is not easy to have success in. And so when somebody does something good, they should be allowed to, to do whatever they, right. they want within certain parameters. So right. that's all I said about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, you're continue good. where you were saying. That was that was a backbreaking play for us. It felt like just because it did knock us out of like, you know, touchdown range. And I think we even I think the fumble wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that. Uh, that series yep. both that happened on the same drive. Also, Jay yep. just, you know, runs. And I, I get you're going to die if, like, that's that's what any logical person would do in that situation. Sneed made a heck of a play. I can't be, like, I can be upset of the result. I can't be mad at. Sneed made a championship play. Like, that's right. all it came down to. Yep. Um, and then the pick, which I still think was P.I. That's something I will, like, say the refs were on. But, again, I think that's Lamar, Lamar shouldn't have thrown it short. Isaiah likely should have called for it in triple coverage. And that's That's also true. Also, Lamar, so, has to be, Lamar has to make a better decision there and throw in a triple coverage on, what, first and 10? Like, Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because in theory, and you know, for anybody that's watching, I'm holding the mic right now so you know I'm serious. Um, so when you look at that play, I actually like went back and broke it down because when I saw you threw it into triple coverage, I literally was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. So I went back and watched. It looked like it was cover two. And cover two if there's a seam route down the middle of the field, that is the right read to split the safeties over top and throw it into the middle of the field. So kind of sort of likely is the right read. However, where I think it was the wrong decision is the backside receiver, which was Odell Beckham. So if you're Mm -hmm. looking where the Ravens were going on the left side, Odell Beckham was the lone receiver on the outside. If he's running a go route and he pulls that safety away from the middle of the field, Isaiah likely is open probably for a touchdown. Right. The fact that he ran a dig, he ran like a 10 yard in and which by the way, he was wide open. He ran, he runs a 10 yard in the corner stays on him. It's man coverage corner stays on him. The safety drops back because he knows Odell's the only guy out there and he doesn't have to worry about over top. Right. So the safety who ends up making the pick drops back likely is covered. He is not open. Why he threw his hand up. I have no idea. Justice Hill is the is the running back. He stays in just a fraction of a second too long, holds the receiver, which is why I think Lamar didn't throw to o- Odell. Excuse me, he holds the the linebacker, the nickel whoever was guarding him. Yeah. He's like kind of sorta in no man's land in the middle of the field there in the flat sort of. 
which is why I think, like I said, Lamar didn't throw to Odell because he would have had to layer it over that guy. Mm -hmm. If you go back and watch the play, if Lamar holds on to the football just a fraction of a second longer, maybe a half a second, Odell gets away from his guy. He gets separation. And he on like he either gives you the ball at the 10-yard line. And best case scenario, he could have ran it in because between him and the end zone, it was Legereus Sneed who was one-on-one with Rashad Bateman on the completely other side of the field. Right. So, yes, Lamar in cover two in that situation, he throws the right ball. However, it was one, not a good ball. No. I understand what he was doing, trying to draw a PI, but if I'd I'd much rather him say I was trying to give my guy a play and throw it to the back end line and at right. least give Isaiah Likely a chance to catch yep. the ball. Yep, because so it might it, it might even be a PI thing because he jumps up, the dude grabs him, and they're not playing the ball. Then you have a exactly. PI, you have to fall on the one yard line, and then hopefully you give your running your ball to your running back for the seventh carry of the game, and you can get in the end zone. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was definitely backbreaking. That one for sure. And then just in Mahomes, like I know at this point, like all hope is basically lost at this point. But that third and nine play, him going to like deep, like, and you have was it? Please tell me it wasn't Marcus Williams on that dude. No, it was uh, Arthur Millette on MBS. I don't know if that's better or worse in this situation. So I'll actually give I'll actually give Mike McDonald here some credit on that play because if you go back and watch the defense played it the right way. Like Marcus Williams and Marcus Williams. And I think it was Geno stone who was on the backside. Mm-hmm. They, they set up deep at probably like it was third and nine. I think they yeah. set up at probably like 12 to 14 yards from the line of scrimmage. And when the ball was snapped, they came up and played the sticks. So they did exactly what they were supposed to not, right. you know, saying anything that's about that's behind us. Like we're not going to get beat at the sticks, right? You can't All give right. up a soft curl right at the stick for a first down. So they did what right. they were supposed to do. Basically, what I think McDonald, his philosophy was on that play call was MVS is probably going to be their third, maybe fourth receiving option on the play. We'll, we'll yeah. stick him one on one, put put Millette on him because MVS was lined up inside. And, you know, if they if he gets beat and Mahomes makes a great play, which he did, then, you know, that, that at least we can we can live without giving up the first down because we played too soft. Right. But anyway, backbreaking nonetheless. Yeah, that one was like that was it. Um, I I lost all hope. I was I said my goodbyes, my pleasantries, and I tried not to like you know break down or break <laughs> someone's house. And I got in my car and drove off and just yelled at the screen for two hours on the way home. So not not great. Um, I know we just you know get, gave a snapshot, but I kind of want to get into the thick of the game real quick because that's cool with you. Yeah, so absolutely. first two drives, you know. I'm going to have off to the defense. They played great. First two drives, they got picked apart. But again, yep. that's going to happen with Mahomes and, you know, whatever. That's that's just going to happen. He made great plays on third down to Kelsey, who was like public enemy number one for me. I do not like that dude. Like, I've like never had a dude had a faster fall from grace than that guy. Um, that's fair. Yeah. But he made some great plays uh, early on. I don't think, I think Mahomes went 10 for 10 with two touchdowns in the first couple of drives. Anything okay? Like, this is uh, I know, I know he started 11 for 11. He only threw for one yep. touchdown, though. I know that. Okay. Yes, you're right, because uh, Pacheco ran the second one. So, but yeah, all right. Anyway. 11 for 11 with 100-plus yards with the touchdown to start the game. You think, okay, it's going to be a shootout. Defense locks in and gets their job done. I want to flip over to the offensive side of the ball. Yep. That third down play was when I knew some bad juju was coming. Um, Nelson Aguilar, uh, you know, dropped passes. Nelson Aguilar has done in the past. Um, rewatching that play, I didn't think that was probably the best read looking back at it. I know why they did it. I think Zay was getting open if you held it like a half second long. I think Zay was open. Um, 
whatever first drive said you punt the ball. Second drive, I think, was the second drive the fumble? Or was that the third drive? No, second drive was the touchdown. No, 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 no. Second drive yeah, was the touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Great play. Lamar makes a Lamar play, finds Zay for a touchdown. Great. Third drive was when the fumble happened. Um, uh, no, the are you, the the strip sack. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. That happened in the second half. I think. Are you? Yeah, really? yeah. The strip sack was in the third quarter. Okay, my fault. Right. So, <laughs> so the, the the score at half was what? Fourteen ten. It was no, seventeen seven. Or no, yeah, you're right. It was 17-7. Yeah, it was 17-7 yeah. at half. So it wasn't a it so, wasn't the first half. Are you sure? I thought it was in the third quarter. It was in the first half. Anyway, but yeah, so the the, the score at halftime was 17-7. The second uh, the first drive of the game was a punt, second drive was a touchdown, and then after that was it just continuously punts and turnovers, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, point being, that play would have been 7 if Stanley hits his block. People say, "Oh, yes. Lamar had time. Lamar had time. Lamar should have scrambled." Lamar had the ball for three seconds. We look at the play. It's actually one of the few play-action plays that I can remember when I was running, where you fake it to Gus and he would have ran up to A-gap yep. or fake it. Lamar had three seconds, if that, to, like, make a play. And he finds his read, finds the open guy, Bateman, and is about to load it up. And then Stanley misses the block, whiffs on, like, just cannot get anything on this dude at all. And the guy makes a great play, and, you know, we lose the football. Luckily, they didn't score in that drive. That's definitely a drive killer and could have resulted in points for us. And mm-hmm. just... The lack of run game is just concerning to me because we did not need to throw that much that early on. Even third and fourth quarter, even though we were moving the ball down the field, we still could have ran the ball off the A-gas and controlled the tempo and controlled the line of scrimmage. Never never was it a fact where we had to, you know, chuck it and just rely on a short plays to keep the ball moving. And I know I know Lamar showed with the short passes. I don't think Lamar had as bad of a game as people are like saying he did. I know like Big Cat and PFT were like crucifying him, saying like he played terrible. <laughs> I think he played. I don't think he played great, but I also don't think the offense was put in a position for him to do well, like we did all season. That's why this mm-hmm. game is frustrating. Everything we did wasn't the Ravens football that we've gotten to know for the last, you know, six, seven, eight months. Yes, played, I, like, I, can, I completely agree with that. We played the Chiefs game against the Chiefs and lost because again they are the Chiefs and they're going to be a better Chiefs team than we are going to be. I don't understand the obsession with the short passes when we have capable running backs to run the ball and get that yardage, if not then some. What do we sign Dalvin Cook for if we're only going to use him in garbage time for a fantastic game? Like, and again, I'm not I'm not bashing Todd Munkin as a as an OC. I've been a big Todd Munkin fan all year. I'm just frustrated that this isn't Todd Munkin that we've got to know all throughout the year. This is this isn't the same team we've got to know all throughout the year and it sucks that it ended this way is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um I yeah, I don't know. I guess I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll throw it back to you if you want to add some else, something else to this game right now. I'm sure those other people. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> you, you. You make a lot of great points. So one thing that I will say, I I don't necessarily disagree with you on the strip sack play. Um, if you go back and look at it, Shaw Bateman is open for for what would have been probably a 70 yard touchdown. If not a 70 yard touchdown, he's picking up at least like 40 or 50 there. Like he he was open. Coverage broke down. He got behind his guy. He got he beat his man. Whatever whatever the case was. He was there. However, I think, uh, I don't know if it was uh, the Amazon Prime stat team that puts out numbers or whatever, or if it was PFF or what, but they clocked Lamar at holding the ball for 4.3 seconds on that play. So it's now, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's tough for me to say Stanley should hold his block for almost five seconds 
Now, if you're calling a deep developing play down the field, you would hope your guys can give Lamar the time that he needs to hold the ball. However, and this, this is really just a microcosm of a lot of what I saw from Lamar on Sunday. It felt like too often he was trying to take, you know, the big play or take the big swing or, you know, it felt like in his mind, he was like, I have to be Superman here. When, you know, you look at the other side of the ball, Pat Mahomes after that first drive was really just a glorified game manager. And I don't want to get into the whole Cam Newton of it all, but like, I don't, I don't say that derogatorily. Like that's not a pejorative term here. Pat Mahomes did everything that he needed to do to win. He just, exactly. He sat back. He took what the defense gave him. He made the smart play more often than not. He made the safe play more often than not. And didn't make mistakes. That's what it boils down to. Pat Mahomes didn't make mistakes. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens did. So yeah. while I while I definitely agree that Bateman should have got the ball there, and I know Lamar was trying to even said it in the clip that came out. Yeah. Like you said, that was one of the few play action plays that we ran, and it it would have worked. You t- both linebackers, Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil, had their backs turned to Lamar after the play fake. Yep. If Lamar just tucks it and runs, he's picking up at least 15. And who knows? Like, maybe he gets out and gets loose for 30 or 40. So, that and that goes back to the whole, you know, not running thing. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Wrong. I don't know. Yeah. You're I don't not know why wrong didn't run either. Saying that's, right. You're not wrong saying that Stanley should have held his block and Lamar should have been able to get that throw off. You're absolutely correct. All I'm saying is that to me, especially in that situation of the game where you've only had one touchdown drive, you're still kind of sort of struggling to get the ball moving and establish some sort of identity in the game. If Lamar pulls that thing down and and picks up the first down, picks up 15, 20, 30, maybe even 40, who knows? I just, that, that, that to me, like I said, is a microcosm of Lamar mentally pressing in the game on Sunday and feeling like, Oh, I have to make the big play every single time I drop back. Or I, you know, I, I have to be the MVP. I have to be the Superman here. Like, and, and it's, it's a double-sided coin for me, which really sucks in this situation because that in a nutshell is what makes Lamar great. It, what it's, what makes Lamar Lamar Jackson. And you know, I know people have this conversation about Josh Allen all the time. You know, you don't want him to run. You don't want him to take the big hits. You don't want him to hurdle over people because then you're sort of putting a governor on his game and what makes him special. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell Lamar, like, you know, Lamar, don't duck out of a sack and hold the ball for eight seconds and scramble around in the pocket and, you know, wait for Zay Flowers to beat his guy and hit him for a touchdown. I don't right. want to be the guy that says that because you're you're limiting his specialness. You're limiting what makes him great. So I it just sucks that you have to say like, yeah, you have to take the good with the bad. But I think if you tell Lamar, Hey Lamar, don't hold the ball for five seconds, rather, you know, go through your first and second read and then just tuck and run or take the check down because then I think that reversely gets in his head and says, okay, well, I'm not, I'm just not going to be the guy that is going to make the special play. So it's just, it's a really tough medium to find. I agree with that. I really do agree with that. Like I'm not going to tell Lamar Jackson how to be Lamar Jackson. But in my 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 issue with the whole thing is that as an offense, as an offensive mind, offensive like what if I'm John Harper on Tom Munkin, my job is to say, hey, we don't we should not have this need him to become Superman. If he needs to put on a cape, yes, in the middle of a play, then improvise that thing. Great, by all means, do that. My job is to make put him in the best situation where he can just be a great game manager or like show off his talents 
best, like, and not have him be Superman. That game on Sunday yes. felt like the 2021 Ravens. Like, hey, Lamar, uh, we're all out of options, and no one's going to help you. Go win the game yourself. And yes. we, we, like, we had a better team and didn't need to do that, in my opinion. And it, I don't it's, think, yeah. it, it's crazy because, like, there was a, that, that clip that I mentioned. I think uh, inside the NFL and the CW yeah. put out a bunch of clips from the game. Yeah. Odell, at one point in the first quarter, goes up to Lamar and says, hey, don't be afraid to tuck it. You're, you can change the game when you do that. Right. And I know I know Odell has good intentions by saying that. And he's he's not saying other than anything other than what I just said. Right. Like, right. Lamar's ability to run with the football is part of what makes him a two time MVP like that. That's part of what makes him special. It's not the only thing I'm not here. I'm not sitting here saying Lamar, Lamar Jackson's a running back. Right. But that is something that he can do that nobody yeah. else can. Right. So. The, the point that I'm making is somebody said that is ingrained, you know, the, the idea of Lamar, go be special Lamar, do your thing is sort of ingrained in this team organization or, uh, you know, fundamentally, which is not great. Like you said, you want to be in a position where your coordinators, the rest of your team is putting Lamar in a position to where we don't need him to be Superman 99% of the time. It's that 1% of the time when shit breaks down, right. he can do it because he has exactly. that skill set. Now, I'm glad you also brought that up for another reason. I so I said Lamar had a bad game. I've been saying it all week, and I stand by that. I don't think he played particularly well, and and I'm I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, that's fine. I, I'm still a Lamar guy. What I saw from him on Sunday doesn't knock how I feel about him in any way, shape, or form. Right. I think Lamar's performance is cause and effect. Um, the lack of running the football, the lack of establishing dominance in the trenches, the mm-hmm. lack of controlling the clock the lack of manipulating the defense that is not good against the run using your number one in the league rush attack, mm-hmm. which then translates to play action, which then translates to putting linebackers in dilemmas when they are forced to make decisions. Yep. The lack of doing all that is why I think Lamar had a quote unquote bad performance because when yeah. we don't, when we don't run the football with Lamar, without the Lamar, when you don't run the football, the defense can literally pin their ears back, which is what they did. They pin their ears yeah. back. They blitz the hell out of Lamar, and our, our offensive line did not play good. No. And Lamar made some bad reads, held on to the ball for too long in some situations, and we essentially got one-dimensional. We didn't play complimentary yeah. football. If yeah. we established the run, Lamar probably has a really good game. Like I, I said to my buddy, if you would have told me on Friday that we're going to hold the Chiefs to 17 points, we're going to hold them to zero points in the second half, we're going to hold them to nine total yards in the second half, seven straight punts to end the game. I would have said, okay, cool. When did our starters come out? Right. There's no world where you should lose a game that you hold Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to under 20 points. And shout out to our girl, Allison. Uh, I was Allison about to say, what did Allison say? What did Allison Shout out to say? her because she yeah. called it. She, she called did. it, held, held the Chiefs to under 20 points. What an absolutely wild swing to take. And she absolutely nailed it. She was 100% right. And like, I was 100% right. Yeah. She was 100% right. I wasn't too far with that magic number of like, hey, if you score 20 something points, like you win the ball game. Like, Alice, I was just about to pull, I was literally pulling up the Allison tweet. Like, she had it 100% right. Like, just, it is, it is frustrating. It is embarrassing. It is just painful that we wasted that great of a defensive performance. And that is a super, that was a Super Bowl defense. That te- that defense yeah. is a Super Bowl defense, and our offense just could not get it going enough to 
even yeah. compliment them, not even like win the game, just compliment them and help them out. Like our defense was on mm-hmm. the field for a very long time. They controlled the like the time 40, the 44 plays in the first half. The defense was on the field. Yeah. 44 plays to 22 plays. And yeah, and just now and like now that the season's over and all the ramifications which we're gonna get to later are happening, it's it's bleak. It's very bleak. I would be I I know we were texting back and forth about this, like is this worse than like two thousand six? Is this worse mm-hmm. than 2011? Is this, I this is worse. Like it's it's worse. I I've scoffed at the thought of people like, oh, we'll be back next year. We don't know. After 2019, yeah, you just, be next. You, you don't know. Yeah. Like and, I mean, 29. I don't know if it was 2019. No, it wasn't 2019. It was 2020. The Bills said the same thing. The Bills got to the AFC Championship. They had the game one, and that was the infamous 13 second game. And you know, Stephon Diggs standing on the field looking at the confetti fall. Yeah. You know, yeah. Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen will be back. No, you won't. They haven't been back yet. So you, you don't know if they're going to be back. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how good your team is. It doesn't matter how good your coaching staff is, how good your quarterback is. The NFL is the NFL for a reason. And it's it's the it's the league with the most parity. I know we say that coming off of a 25 year dynasty run with the Patriots only to go into another dynasty run with the Chiefs. But there's no league with the parody that the nfl has it is so hard you have to have so many things go right you have to have so many things go your way just to get to where we were this year yep. and going back to what i said at the top that's to me why i'm so upset and why i'm so frustrated with how the season ended because this was maybe the best opportunity our organization has ever had at winning a super bowl the afc was ours to lose and we lost it we yep. have never been this healthy at this point in the season. We were so that. healthy, and other teams weren't. The Bills were depleted with injuries. Uh, who else? The Bengals. Joe Burrow was obviously out. He had an injury. I mean, even the Chiefs, they were without Willie Gay and Joe Tooney on Sunday. Miami and, limped into the playoffs with all their defense hurt. And yeah. Miami, had over. To, Miami had to go pick up Justin Houston, who was sitting on the couch for three weeks because they literally did not have anybody to rush the quarterback. Yep. And that was before a playoff game against the Chiefs. Yep. So that's that's honestly what hurts me the most. And we'll talk about, you know, why I'm especially hurt, all the fallout that came from this game. But it just it, it feels Barstool Banks had the, the, the tweet perfectly. And it just it's fitting that it, it's a reference to the wire. You come at the king, you best not miss. And we we missed. We pissed. Just flat yeah. out, we missed. We missed, we missed and like shot ourselves in the foot. Like it's legit. Like it's, it's really frustrating with what we said all year that like, just don't make mistakes and you're good. And we like, it's, it's like almost prophetic how like anal we got, like all throughout the season of like little things. And then they come back to bite us in the butt because we know this team, we know that crazy stuff happens sometimes. And like it did, like I said, this is the best, this is the best chance we had. Everybody came back first. First AFC championship in Baltimore in 50 years. Ray Lewis never had an AFC title game in Baltimore. Let that sink in. Like, yep. And then I think about all those defenses that were wasted in like the early 2001 through 2005, 2006, 2007. Like all those years just wasted. And like, it just feels like another waste. Like I said it when Lamar, when it was cemented that Lamar won the MVP. Hey, this is great and all. The regular season is cool, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything if you pissed away in the playoffs. And we did. And now yep. it's it's all for nothing. And like, what what are we left with? Like, like I'm like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. So the the last point that I have to make, um, 
I just saw it on Twitter before we jumped on here. Before the season started, mm-hmm. after Lamar got his contract, all the talk in the offseason was the Ravens need to make a deep playoff run. And that was completely fair. I, I thought that was absolutely the right call. The Ravens at least needed to get to the AFC championship. Yep. They did that. And it's not like we lost to the Texans or the Dolphins or the Colts or the Steelers or even the fucking Bills. We lost to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. If you would have told me before the season the Ravens would get to the AFC championship, Lamar would have another MVP under his belt, and they would lose by one possession to the Kansas City Chiefs, I think I wouldn't have been thrilled about it, but I think I probably would have been okay with it. But for whatever reason, man, and this is a theme with every game that we've lost with the exception of week 18, it's not the fact that we lost, it's how we lost the game, which hurts me the most. Yep. And I have some, I have some things that I want to talk about once we're done talking about the game that we'll get into. But anyway, before we move on, I'll kick it to you. If you have any other points that you want to make or anything that you want to say regarding the game. I mean, I, I'm sure there'll be things I'll say after, like I'll think of after we get off air that I want to say, um, but I'm Mm going to try to choose my words very carefully. Um, I, it's not fun anymore. Like, I know we love it. (laughs) (laughs) I know we love it. Like, and I say this like this, like, I was talking to my dad about this, and my dad actually gave me some really good perspective. Like, I was pissed. I'm still pissed about it, so. Oh, yeah. It's not fun anymore. And, like, I'm trying to find the joy of watching regular season football, and it's just, it's not fun. Like, I'm not having fun watching this. Like, I'm watching it because I love this team. I love Mm -hmm. the feeling of getting, went well, I don't even feel happy when we win regular season games. Like, okay, I mean, it's, like, expected. And then, yeah, I don't even think arrogance. I think it's just, like, or entitlement. I just think, like, the way the organization is built and the way this team is, we expect to win. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's not fun. But, like, certain aspects of it are. And, I mean, shoot, better luck next year. I don't even want to say better luck next year because I think this is our year. And then we pissed it away. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of at a lost words, which is sad for a podcast. Um, just, <laughs> no, I I, I agree hurts. with you. And it hurts. I'm hurting, and this sucks. And it it may get better, but right now it doesn't feel like it because we have a lot of question marks in the air about the future. Yep. And I think we're at, like you said, we're at a crossroad with this future. I don't even think the Chiefs are a better team than us. I really don't. I I don't. I don't either. I don't think they're a better team. I think they made the better plays. They have the experience. I don't think they're a better team. I don't even think Patrick Mahomes played, like you said, Patrick Mahomes had a pedestrian game. Travis Kelsey went off, but screw that guy. Um, want to take a beat with a kicker is like, and then talk about it on your podcast, get views. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Whoever would have thought that, you know, Taylor Swift would be the most likable one out of that couple is wild to me. But wild. here we are. Here we are. Um, yeah, it's, I mean. Whatever. I don't know. I'm kind of with you. And I, I was thinking about it at some point this week where I was like, you know, we said it all year. The MVP doesn't matter. We have to win a Super Bowl. Like this is the team to win a Super Bowl. And I I tried to give myself some perspective. I was like, you know, Lamar had a really special regular season and Lamar is unabashedly my favorite football player in the NFL right now. Yeah, of course. He's, I mean, he's up there as far as my favorite players ever, not even just Ravens. Like my, one of my favorite players that I've ever watched play football. And I was sitting here thinking, like, I was so focused on this team winning a Super Bowl, and I just kind of, like you said, brushed off the regular season that, like, I didn't even really get to fully enjoy it. 
Oh, I did. Like it in the moment. And, you know, I'm at some part of me is like, yeah, you know, like I'm a fan of this franchise. And like you said, this franchise is has our, our goals set on more than just regular season wins. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm a football fan. I love football. Football is my favorite sport. So right. the fact that like I didn't really get a chance to just sit here and be like, you know, this is great. Like this team is really good. Lamar is really good. Zay Flowers is really good. Odell Beckham, who is also one of my favorite players in the NFL right now, is on my team, and we get to yeah. watch him catch passes from Lamar. I just didn't really get a chance to like sit back and fully enjoy it, which I'm a little upset about. And now we're sitting in a position where you know we we have 240 days until the Ravens play football. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that's as genuine as a reaction as you're going to get on this show. Um, I will say. There's a lot of gray and not great things in like with Baltimore right now. I just want to give a shout out to like the one positive I noticed during the game of like no matter how this turns out, Kyle mm-hmm. Hamilton's a really good football player. I was literally just about to say the same thing. That man was everywhere making plays, blowing things up. That dude is a really good football player. And Kyle Hamilton, I'm yeah. I'm I think I'm ready to say Kyle Hamilton is a generational football player. Oh, as I'm, good as good as Roquan Smith is and how meaningful Roquan Smith is to our defense. I don't think it's a stretch to say Kyle Hamilton is the most talented player on our defense. Kyle Hamilton outside of Lamar Jackson might be the most talented football player on the team. Kyle Hamilton, like outside of Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes included might've been the best football player on the field on Saturday or excuse yeah. me, Sunday. Yeah. I, I, the Troy Paul, and I think Tony Romo even said like the Troy Paul, Miley comparison is is crazy because that's exactly who he reminds me of. And you know what's crazy that me as a diehard Ravens fan is saying like a compliment to him is like, oh yeah, he plays like Troy Palomalu. But that's not a bad, that's not a bad statement. No, I think Troy Palomalu is a top three safety that's ever played the position. I give him top, I give him top 10. (laughs) I, 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 I don't think he was better. He wasn't better than Reed. I think Reed's the best. No, certainly not. No, I don't think 20, 20 was, 20 is the best safety that's ever played the game and will ever play the game. Nobody will be better than him. I agree with that. I think Brian Dawkins might be better than Troy Palomalu. That's a bold take. <laughs> I think I think Brian Dawkins might have been better. Just the thing with Troy though, Troy was really revolutionary when he played. Like Troy yeah. Troy played close to the line of scrimmage, which a ton of yeah. safeties didn't really do back then. Like he played in the box really similar to what Kyle Hamilton does. Yeah. Like it's just the style that Kyle Hamilton does play the position with is is re- like we've only really seen Troy do it at the level that Kyle is doing it and I, I said it to you a couple weeks ago like Kyle Hamilton is everything that Jamal Adams was supposed to be right and like he's playing at an all pro level I mean obviously he, he first team all pro this year Kyle Hamilton has all the makings of being one of the best not even safeties one of the best defensive players in the NFL in his career like that's that's how good he is that's how high his ceiling is you liken him to Troy Palomalu. He plays like Troy Palomalu, but he also has the ball hawking and coverage skills. I'm not going to say like Ed Reed, but like he he can play in coverage. Like I honestly think that right now he's a better coverage player than Palomalu maybe ever was. And yeah. I don't I don't think that I don't think that's a knock on Palomalu. That's just how freaking good Kyle Hamilton is. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton was the one bright spot about Sunday. Like yes, I he was the one bright spot about Sunday. So, all right, we we done talking about the the disaster? No, because we got to go to the off season. Oh, got the ramifications yeah. make it worse. Uh, yeah, now now we have to move into the fall. <sighs> yeah, I'm gonna and let you I'm gonna let you take the lead on this one. Go for it. I, thank you. And 
I'm going to repeat the disclaimer that I said at the top. I apologize if I ramble. I apologize if I rant. This is definitely where the group therapy session comes into play. But um, looking from the looking at the fallout from Sunday, I don't think there's anywhere other to start with the conversation than the head coach. And this is not by any means a hot topic. It's been a trending topic around Twitter. It's been even in the media, it's getting some run. Um, I want to make my stance on John Harbaugh perfectly clear. I'm a John Harbaugh guy. I think John Harbaugh is a top five head coach in the NFL right now. I think when it's all said and done, regardless of how the next couple of years go, I think John Harbaugh has already cemented himself as a Hall of Fame head coach. And frankly, I don't even think that's up for debate. Like I said, I want to make my stance perfectly clear on him. That is, that is how I feel about John Harbaugh. There is nobody in the NFL that I would rather have running my team than John Harbaugh. I think he's a great leader of men. I think he is exactly the type of coach that this team needs. That being said, Mike McDonald is now the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. John Harbaugh is 61 years old. Mike McDonald is 36 years old. John Harbaugh has what? Six, seven, maybe eight years of coaching left in him. And that, that, that maybe feels a little bit ambitious. Best case scenario, we'll say he's got eight years left. Mike McDonald, obviously he's never coached in the NFL before. He has never led a group of men at the NFL level before. Um, no matter, we've seen it in the past, no matter how slam dunk a coordinator seems like they would be for a head coaching job, it doesn't always turn out that way. If I was Eric DeCasa and if I was Steve Bishotti and I was presented with an ultimatum after Sunday's game, Mike McDonald is either going to leave the Baltimore Ravens to be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks or any team with, a, with an opening for that matter. Or you make him the head coach of your football team right now, cutting bait with John Harbaugh. I'm taking the latter without any hesitation. And here's why. Like I said, I am firmly in the camp of a John Harbaugh supporter. I don't think if Mike McDonald doesn't get a head coaching job that you need to move on from John Harbaugh. My stance here is only because Mike McDonald is now gone to take a head coaching job. Mike McDonald, like I said, it's a huge gamble if you were to promote him. Absolute worst case scenario, you're probably getting three years out of him. Maybe it doesn't go well. You still have Lamar. You still have Roquan for another year or two. You move on with a head coach. Best case scenario, we're looking at 18 to 20 years of Mike McDonald. Maybe even longer. He's 36 fucking years old. If Mike McDonald were to be a head coach in the NFL for 25 years, it would make him as old as John Harbaugh is right now. So that's, that's why I've shifted, not even, I don't want to say shifted. That's why I've just kind of adapted this mindset on why Mike McDonald really should be the head coach next year. And it has everything and really only to do with the fact that he's getting now a head coaching position with another team. Somebody, I was listening to the Exit 52 podcast. Somebody called him the defensive Sean McVay. Yeah. And it took me a second to think about it, but I was like, yeah, you know what? He is because yeah. he started out last year as a good defensive coordinator, obviously had some issues. Our secondary was not good last year, but it was his first year as a coordinator. He comes mm -hmm. back this year. We have the 
I think, third or fourth ranked pass defense in the NFL. And also to take it one step further, we had a historically great defensive unit. Yep. That to me is what sets it apart. A good coordinator, fine. You can find good coordinators anywhere. There are a ton of them out there in the NFL just waiting for their shot at being a coordinator. The Ravens led the league in sacks, points per game allowed, and takeaways. They were first in the league in all three categories. Just in a vacuum, that's insane. I don't think any team has ever done that. What makes it even crazier is they did it. They led the league in sacks, first of all, without a superstar pass rusher. They didn't have a Miles Garrett or a TJ Watt or a Nick Bosa. They were doing it with Jadevian Clowney, Kyle Van Noy, Adafi Owe, and Justin Matabike. The fact that we held the Kansas City Chiefs, we held Patrick Mahomes, we held the next Tom Brady to 17 points in an AFC championship game. And we turn around and we let the guy that's responsible for that walk out the building, to me, may be the biggest mistake that this organization has ever made. And I know I might be getting a little over my skis with that statement because we don't know how the organizations were going to respond. We don't know how Mike McDonald's going to do in Seattle. We don't know. All I'm saying is Mike McDonald had all the makings of being the next great head coach. And maybe the Ravens went to him and said, Hey, we want to do with you what the Patriots did with Gerard Mayo. We're going to put in your contract that you are the successor to John Harbaugh, whenever that may be, whether it's after the 2024 season, after the 2025 season, whenever that may be. And we're going to make you the highest paid coordinator in the NFL. Maybe they did that. Maybe they didn't. If they didn't, I think it's organizational malpractice. But I am just going to choose to assume that they did. Right. And if Mike McDonald's response was, no, I want to be a head coach now. I've been working my whole life. I'm self-made. I started as an intern with this team, and I worked my way up to being the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. I want to be a head coach right now. If I'm Steve Bishotti and Eric DaCosta, I say, you know what? You're our head coach, John Harbaugh. We're going to move him into the front office, just like Seattle just did with Pete Carroll. Yep. And you're going to be the guy that leads us. And like I said, this is not because I think we should have fired John Harbaugh because I don't. I just think this is more about keeping Mike McDonald for the future of the organization, you know, yeah. and the Ravens, the Ravens very clearly value continuity and organizational stability. And it's one of the things that I love about being a Ravens fan. Because, you know, you look at what's going down in Carolina, you look at what's going down in Oakland or Vegas, excuse me, you look at some of these teams that are having constant coaching turnover mm -hmm. and you're like, that sets the organization back so much. So the fact that we, we have the stability that we do as an organization is definitely something to, you know, be thankful for. But at the same time, you look at how some of these games have gone in key situations over the last few years. And there's one con common denominator. It's John Harbaugh. Like, there's no Greg Roman now. There's no, there's no Wink Martindale now. Yep. There's no, there's no Joe Flacco. There's no terrible offensive line. Like, there's through constant regimes, constant player turnover, constant coordinator turnover, constant front office turnover. John Harbaugh has been the one remaining stalwart, and it feels like, you know, between now, between 2019 even a little bit in 2021 and 2022. I know we had historic injuries and, you know, the game against Cincinnati maybe goes differently if Tyler Huntley decides to not 
jump at the two yard line. Anyway, I digress. Or you get, or you get the ball to a running back, you know, because you know they run the ball. Just, just a thought. Just, just exactly. a thought. The common denominator is John Harbaugh, and I truly believe if we have another year like this next year, Steve Bashotti might pull the trigger on replacing John Harbaugh, which is why, to me, Mike McDonald. Maybe you get rid of John Harbaugh a year early. Do what the, the Patriots and Bill Belichick have done constantly with players. You get rid of them mm-hmm. a year too early that, rather than a year too late. If this happens next year and we end up getting rid of John Harbaugh, it's a year too late because the guy who should have been here is in Seattle. And I, again, I can't stress this enough. This is not because I think John Harbaugh should have been fired regardless on Sunday. That's not what this is about. All I'm saying is that the problem, the biggest problem with John Harbaugh that you and I have addressed throughout this season, throughout our entire lives as being fans of this team, is still the problem. And that is he is far too loyal and far too trusting in his guys. It's it, he is He's too loyal and too trusting to a fault. He's never going to be the guy to get in your face and say, this is what you've been doing and it's wrong and this is what needs to be done moving forward. If I if I was in John Harbaugh's seat and I see Dalvin Cook or excuse me, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill have two carries each in the first half, I'm putting the, the play sheet in Todd in Todd Munkin's face and saying, Todd, run the goddamn ball. John Harbaugh's not that guy. He's he he's he's not a micromanager. He's not the guy that's gonna get in your face and tell you what you're doing is wrong and you have to do it his way. And in a lot of ways, I love him for that, and I respect it because that's the making of a good leader. Right. But again, going back to the the two-sided coin thing, a good leader also knows when the plan is bad and it needs to be adapted. Yep. In the, a good leader and a good coach, and the CEO has his pa- finger on the pulse. Exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna echo a little bit what you said. Well, I'm gonna. I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna say. I'm a hardball supporter <laughs> through and through. I'm a hardball yeah. apologist. I find myself defending hardball. I don't, I, I understand the point of like get rid of him too early or get rid of him too late and bring Mike McDonald, like you should, like you bring Mike McDonald in. I'm a little bit hesitant just to say make a change for the sake of, sake of change. Um, That's fair. For all we know, Mike McDonald, we did, like you said, we did give Mike McDonald a great offer. He just wanted to go somewhere else where he can kind of make his own thing. I can't fault yeah. him for that. I am. Sure. I can't say the words I said when I saw the announcement. You texted me, um, but I did say them very loud at the top of my lungs in a moving car. So that was great. And um, yeah, it was rough. It was rough. It was. I, I played some. I played some Simon and Garfunkel. It was rough seeing that announcement. But um, yeah, whatever reason Mike McDowell wanted to go to Seattle, and he did. Congratulations to him. I hope he has some success over there. I, I have no me reason too. to think that he won't. As for John Harbaugh, I'm not on the crowd to get rid of him because I also like cha- continuity and I like who are you going to replace him with now? The Redskins, right. I'm sorry, Washington football, whatever they're called now, commanders can't find a coach. And they've been at this thing for about a month and a half now. I'm not going to get yep. rid of our guy just to, just because we're upset that Sunday happened. However, maybe this happens Friday in the press conference when it's a week too late, but like maybe he takes accountability and be like, hey, I should have like been better and I should have dictated, hey, we need to run the ball more. I should change the game plan more. But this comes back to the thing sure. with, like the only literally the only knock I have about John Harbaugh. If you're going to be a CEO coach, you have to have your finger on the pulse of the game. And like yes. it has to yes. be dialed in. Like you can't take lapses, especially in January and February. 
you, you can't take lapses. Like, you have to have your pulse tied in. And I understand trusting your guys. But also, you can make a suggestion or, like, saying, hey, we are killing them up the A-gap. Run the dang ball. Like, if we are saying it at fans, I'm screaming at the TV, run the damn ball. Then maybe someone needs to run the damn ball because it's working and it balances it out. Like, have your Gus Edwards' the first carry of the game went for 13 yards. And, and it was happened? with five minutes left in the first quarter. He touched the ball twice after that. Yes. Also, if you're going to have Hill for pass, like Hill them for pass protect, like I don't know. I'm not. I'm not mad at Justice Hill. I thought he had a pretty nice game. I just. So did I. I. I just don't understand why you just don't run. Like why you didn't run the ball. Like you could. You control it. If you're worried about Patrick Mahomes being on the field, though, hey, I know one way to keep him off the field and controlling time of possession a little better. Run the damn ball. Like I don't know. And. My question is just like, how, why can't we finish the season? Why can't we finish games with under John Harbaugh? And why exactly? And that's has, that's kind of what goes yeah, back to my whole yeah. common denominator point. You know, like I, John Harbaugh's done it. And say what you want about that team. Obviously, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, he did Daquan Bolden, Torrey Smith. I don't care how good your team is. We've seen great teams not get to where they need to be. Not right. even just in the Ravens. In the NFL, we've seen it happen. Yeah. You need a great coach that goes with a great team to achieve greatness. It's just, that's what you need. Harbaugh's a great coach. Harbaugh's a great coach. There's no denying that. And I'm certainly not going to front you on that. My issue is, you look at this team. 2023 Baltimore Ravens were good enough to win a Super Bowl. They are far too talented. They are far too well built. And you look outside the team, like I've said a bunch, the AFC and really the NFL has been Nowhere near as good as them all season. They've mm-hmm. beat everyone handedly. This was far too good of an opportunity for it to end the way it did. You look mm-hmm. back on 2019, even I, I have said since that, I don't think anybody was beating the chiefs that year. They were just that good. Yeah, they were. If, if, if we beat Tennessee and we go to the AFC championship, I still think Kansas city beats us in that game. Maybe, maybe they don't, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just don't think that that offense was going to outduel the Chiefs offense that year when they had Tyreek right. and Travis Kelsey. I don't right. think anybody was beating them. However, for that season to end the way that it did against the Titans is just flat out unacceptable. And like I said, I know going into the season, I think the fairest sort of floor for this team was getting to the AFC Championship. And we did that. We lost to the Chiefs. Yeah. I think I think that should at least be noted. But at the same point when you've put all the other factors into it, this team once again under delivered in a situation where they just flat out should not have. Yep. And I, there are, re- there are two people that you can blame. It's either John Harbaugh or Lamar Jackson. And I don't think it's entire. Like, I think John Harbaugh deserves far more of the blame for this loss than yep. Lamar Jackson did. Done. And, you know, in previous years, we could even look at Eric DaCosta, you know, last year, our wide receiver one was tribe. Bateman on our wide receiver two was Devin Duvernay. That is not good enough in 2022 to win football games. Right. It's just not. So you could even look at Eric DaCosta. This year, Eric DaCosta built the team right. exactly the way that he needed to to win a Super Bowl. The defense yep. was built up the spine between Matabike, Roquan Smith, and Kyle Hamilton. The outsides, Brandon Stevens emerged as what, in my opinion, should have been an all-pro corner this year. Yep. Jadevian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy had career years in – their ninth and 10th year in the NFL. Yep. And then you go back to Mike Mack's defense, leading the league in sacks, takeaways, and points per game. That team is built well enough to win a Super Bowl. And yep. 
I'm not going to say a- ever that a team needs to win the Super Bowl in any given year just because of all the variables that go into it. But the fact that we didn't get there and yep. at least give ourselves a chance to play the game yep. is what chaps my ass about this year and the way that it all ended. So, again, to, to, to put a bow on this point, I don't think we should just make a change for the sake of making a change, and I don't think we should move John Harbaugh out the position just for the sake of doing it. My whole standpoint is Mike Mack should have been the guy, and if the ultimatum was presented, you either promote me now or you lose me forever, I wouldn't let that guy out the building. That's just me. Yeah, I, I hear your point. I understand your point. I just – I um... – uh, shoot, I'm going to pull a Harbaugh. I'm loyal to my guys until they prove to me otherwise. <laughs> maybe it'll be my downfall. And maybe in three years, I'll be pissed that we, you know, stuck around this long with it. Um, and that might back out in Seattle. Um, but I'm just saying, you got to take, you just take accountability and be better. And you got to make the changes. And you can't, like, yeah. you can't say, oh, yeah, just, we, I didn't notice it wasn't a game plan, like you said, in 2020 or 2019. Like, just stuff like that is the thing that, like, gets me is that you say that, like, oh, yeah, it just kind of happened. Like, no. Like things, things don't just happen. You yeah. Have after the game, over it. when he when he was asked about not giving the running backs the ball, and he said, "Oh, that's just how the game went." No, no John, that's, that's not, not how it goes. Game. That's not how it goes. Like you control that. You have a influence over that. It's that's what I say when I'm watching the game, not you as the head coach. Again, yeah, and you and I aren't yeah. the guys that have headsets that can talk to anybody on the field saying, "Hey, let's do this." That's what I mean by having your finger on the pulse. How do you just let yes. stuff happen? Like you're a coach, like control, like control the things you're supposed to control. Like again, I, I'm getting riled up. I don't need to. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's it's just gut wrenching. That's it's gut. It really is, man. And it really is. And, and I'm and, still a hardball guy. It, I I am too. Look, at the end of the day, I know. I know. You know, going back to the two sided coin metaphor that I've used time and time again today. Yeah, Harbaugh has had coordinators turnover and he still wins games and he still finds ways to make playoffs. So you have to give him the credit there. But with Mike Mack, it just felt different. It felt like he was going to be the next guy. And if you know, with how young our team is, Mike Mack being 36, Harbaugh being 61, feels like there was something there to where Mike Mack can get the guys around him and relate and have his finger on the pulse as a head coach because these guys are closer to his age. But Look, uh, I'm I'm going down with the ship too, and right. if if that's what ends up happening, then you know it was a good run. But I, I mean, it's just it, it's gonna, it's a gut punch. Let me defend Harpaul really quick, as I've been trying to do all you know whatever. This team was really close, and they did love him. And the guys do get up yes, for him. They did. And I didn't want to say this in previous weeks because I know how this show ends. Spoiler: If you haven't seen it yet, but I know you have a calendar of it behind the background. This season kind of had a Ted Lasso vibe of like the lovable coach mm-hmm. and just like a bunch of guys just kind of playing their best out and like having fun all year and just really enjoying it. I don't want to bring up the Orioles comparison because the Orioles season ended so bad. And the way I look at the Orioles playoff team is night and day different from like the Ravens playoff team. Like the Orioles make it to the playoffs, odds are going to think of it as a successful year and be disappointed when they lose. Yeah. I expect the Ravens to make it every year. And any year we don't get a championship, I am like foaming at the mouth angry. I just see the yeah, team. That's fair. I, just, I see the team and see different. But this Ravens team had fun with each other and genuinely enjoyed playing with each other. And they enjoyed hardball and, like, really brought in what he was saying and what he was doing. So, like, I can't take away the guy that's been, like, the captain and parent of all that because it didn't it didn't bounce his way. Granted, I think that was self-inflicted. 
I can't get rid of that's like getting rid of Ted Lasso because they didn't win the league in the last season of Ted Lasso. Um, I can't be I, I can't be mad at that guy um, because he does like so much for the culture for the team that like I don't think that stuff easy to come by and I don't think any coach can do that. Like I love Rex Ryan to death. I don't think Rex Ryan would have you know him as a head coach would rally a team like that. Yeah, there's a reason Rex didn't really last long as a head coach in the league. Yeah. I'm I'm, safe. I'm not going to make the joke I want to make about Rex because I like Rex. <laughs> I'm not going to make a joke. Anyway, um, yeah, it's just I don't know. I I I'm I'm still at a loss for everything. So it's it's a really unfortunate situation. And like you said, I am very happy for Mike McDonald. It's I could I can't think of a guy more deserving of the opportunity right. that he's getting. And it's not like he's going to a, a shitty organization like Carolina or one of these other no. ones. I He's know. going to a really strong organization with a really strong foundation in Seattle. And their defense is really good. They have a lot of young talent over there. Um, I, I honestly think they're a quarterback away from being a legit playoff contender. Um, I mean, where, shit, they were in it. Where they they were in it and I believe they're drafting somewhere around like, I want to say maybe like 18. So they could get, they could realistically probably get Jaden Daniels. I don't know about that. I think Daniels is going top like five or six. I mean, they might they they could they could mess around and get Michael Penix though. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And I mean, DK Metcalf is still there. Tyler Lockett's still there. Jackson Smith and Jigba. They have I'm Kenneth Walker. Is still there. They have they have a ton of young talent on defense. So yeah. he's going to a really, really good situation. It just sucks he's not here anymore. And it yeah. it, it sucks even more that he's going to poach some of our coaching talent as well. Yeah, if Zach Gore um, goes, I'm gonna riot. If Zach Gore, if Zach Gore, T. Martin, or Denard Wilson go, I'm gonna be really upset. I'm gonna um, be irate. <laughs> um. Anyway, moving on from John Harbaugh, wanted to talk about Lamar Jackson for a little bit. We've talked yeah, about him already. It. We've talked about him already a good bit. And like I said, I think he played a bad game on Sunday. I think it was probably his worst of the season. Um. I want to talk more so now about how I'm feeling looking forward. Again, I'm going to make myself very clear here. My trust and my faith in Lamar Jackson has not wavered. I still believe Lamar Jackson is the right guy for this team. I think he is capable of everything that we expect of him, i.e. winning a Super Bowl. He has my full trust. I am not sitting here saying Lamar is not going to be the guy to win a Super Bowl because I don't believe that's the case. I believe Lamar is the guy that can take this Ravens team to win a Super Bowl. I wanted to say that the future's still bright, and here's why. For as bad as Lamar played, obviously, you know, like we said, we only lost by seven points on Sunday. Looking back, I'm going to do a little blind resume here for you. Quarterback A is obviously Lamar Jackson. Quarterback B is another quarterback who we all know. Through their first six years in the NFL, both players have a playoff record of two wins and four losses. Both players are 0-1 in AFC championship games. Quarterback A, Lamar Jackson, is 1-2 in the divisional round, including a loss as a one seed. Quarterback B is 1-1 in the divisional round, including a loss as a one seed. Lamar Jackson in the wild card is 1-1. Quarterback B is 1-2 in the wild card through their first six years. Completions per attempts, a.k.a. completion percentage, Lamar Jackson is 57%. He's 112 for 195. Quarterback B, 56%, 117 for 208. Passing yards, 
Lamar Jackson, 1,324. Quarterback B, 1,476. So 152 yards difference between Mm -hmm. Lamar and the second quarterback. Total yards, Lamar blows him out of the water by 300 yards. Right. Total touchdowns, not just passing, total touchdowns. Lamar Jackson has nine. Quarterback B has 11. Interceptions, both quarterbacks have six. Passer rating, Lamar Jackson, 75.7. Quarterback B, 82.5. Josh, you have any idea who quarterback B is? Active player or retired player? Retired. Oh, it's definitely Peyton Manning. It's Peyton Manning. I knew that as soon as you said, like, the stats. Like, it's Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning I, I heard, is yep. Peyton Manning's arguably on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. Yep. Peyton Manning did not win his first Super Bowl until he was 30 years old. Lamar Jackson just turned 27. I know he's not getting younger. I know his financial situation is only getting steeper for the Ravens. I know his legs are another year less fresh. I understand all that. All I'm saying is we have seen Lamar take steps every year that he's been in the NFL. The future is still bright. Yep. Anyone who's wavering their faith in Lamar Jackson, personally, I think it's completely misplaced. I don't, I don't know how you can look at what Lamar has done over the last three years and say, yeah, you know what? This isn't the guy. I just don't. I think I think he's still the, the I think he's still the guy. I don't I, I'm not seeing any world where, you know, right after his 27th birthday, just lost to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC championship by one possession and saying, Yeah, you know, that's that's his ceiling. He's tapping out. Like we're not getting anything else out of him. I just right. don't see that being the case. So I'm here to tell Ravens fans, it may seem gleam now. But I still believe Lamar is that guy. I, I think a lot of the mistakes that he made on Sunday were, like we said, because we weren't able to establish the run. We were two-dimensional on offense. You know, the interception, I feel like I said, I think he was just pressing, trying to make the big play rather than the right play. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, you know, a couple of times. He, he, for whatever reason, mentally, I think he was just pressing and he was trying to do too much when he, you know, he was trying to be a game changer rather than just being a game manager, going back to the whole Cam Newton thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Lamar's a problem. I think Lamar is actually the solution for this team. Um, I said to my buddy on Twitter today, he said, watch Mike McDonald's going to take the Seahawks to a Super Bowl before the Ravens do. I wholeheartedly disagree with that because we have a quarterback and they don't. We have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So anyway, that's what I wanted to say on Lamar. Do you have anything on Lamar? I I mean, who else are we going to get? Like, right. Lamar's not quarterback till the foreseeable future. I have complete and utter faith in Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's the problem at all. Also, he's progressively gotten better every year. Like, yes, he's been going through his progressions like no others. This like he he's had a like he deserves his MVP year. I I don't think Sunday he played great, but I also I'm with you. I just don't think we put him in the best position to play great. So I'm not going to blame him on that like that aspect of things. So yeah, Lamar's. He's a good quarterback. He's a great quarterback. Even I think he's a top two quarterback in the NFL. Um, I don't think that's too far off to say. I still think he's better than Burrow. I, I mean, again, no one has done more with less than Lamar Jackson. If Correct. Brock Purdy can make it to a Super Bowl, then I I have faith that Lamar Jackson can make it to a Super Bowl. Um, Completely, one hundred percent agree. Yeah, and also it's not a quarterback. It's not just based off your quarterback. The best quarterback doesn't always win. I think the Patriots 
And now the Chiefs have broken our brain. Be like, oh yeah, they're definitely the best quarterback. They always go to the Super Bowl. It's so easy. Like they can do. Yeah, they're they're doing it because they're like the Patriots and the Chiefs have broken our brains. Right. Like not. Yeah. Yeah. They have. They they have. Like what they're doing is like not normal, nor should it be like seen as normal. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I like Lamar. I don't. I don't. I'm unwavering with Lamar. He's the best player I've ever seen play in a Ravens scene before. That's not Amory Lewis. I agree. I yeah, I agree. He's he's the best quarterback the Ravens have ever had. I think yep. when it's all said and done, I think Lamar will be a top two talent that the quarterback position has ever seen. Right. And unfortunately, I think I think the number one in that position is yeah. the guy that we just lost to. Yep, I can agree with that. So. So yeah. anyway, I, I think we're, I think we're good on Ravens talk this week. Um, you know, the Super Bowl is coming up, not this week, next week. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying what they want about it and I'm not, I'm not going to knock anybody for saying, speaking their mind on it. Um, I, I personally think it's going to be a really good match. A little bit of a bad taste in my mouth because we should be there in my opinion. Yeah. I'm not, um, I'm not happy. I'm not either, but as a football fan, I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, yeah. Like I said earlier, the Chiefs are the next dynasty. Um, I wholeheartedly think Patrick Mahomes is the best talent that has ever played quarterback. Um, if he wins, he'll have, what, three rings now? Three yep. rings in, I think he's been in the league for eight years. Um, I don't think it's crazy. And this is this is going to be the talk for the next week and a half. If he wins this Super Bowl, um, I think he's on track, if not ahead of track of being better than Brady. I think if he gets one more, you could put him in the same breath. I know four is not seven, but I mean, look at what he's doing, man. It's insane. Yeah. And like I said, like I said last week about the chiefs, this is the worst team that he's had and he's has them in the super bowl. Like, yep. And probably going to win it. Probably going to win it. What he's doing is unbelievable. So, I mean, credit to him, credit to the chiefs, credit to Andy Reid. I I was just about to say, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Andy Reid fan this week. Um, he is one of the best coaches of all time. He's not the best coach of all time. I think he, I, okay. I honestly, I think he's better than Belichick. I know the rings aren't there yet. I know. But not a horrible he, take. He's taken two straight teams to four straight conference championships, multiple, super, what, seven Super Bowls is it now? Uh, I think so. Something like that. Six or seven. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I'm wrong. Uh, the two he lost, the one he lost in Philly, and did he only did he lose one? I thought he lost two in Philly. Maybe it was only one. I thought he it was only two lost or whatever. He only lost one. He only lost one. That was okay. to the um, that was to the Patriots. Um, the four straight, four straight, eight straight title games, and like four different straight title games in different space. Maybe even nine. What three Super Bowls? Yeah. No, going on three Super Bowls at this point. Like yep. he's in the conversation for best head coach in NFL history. Um, it just so happens to be at the expense of us, which I hate. And he did it all from coming from BYU and learning like the West coast system and doing some weird stuff. Like uh, I was talking to one of my coaching, my coach friends about this coaching college football for a very long time. He was telling me that there are things that Andy Reid started and you know, Shanahan both started in the NFL that like permeated through all levels of football that people are still oh, trying yeah. to figure out. Like what he's done for football is absolutely insane. He's definitely a hall of fame head coach. And I think he's a good no argument question. for, there's a good argument for Andy Reid over uh, Belichick. His coaching tree is better. Look at the coaches that oh, come out I, of Andy Reid. I think Reed. it's Reid's. I think it's Reid's, no question. Look at the coaches that come out of Andy Reid. 
John Hopball, um, uh, Jacksonville, uh, Doug Peterson. Um, yep. Gee, I guess now Mike McDonald kind of came from that coaching tree extending from, you know, Harbaugh and such. Um, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. It's really crazy. It is. It is. So, yeah, I, I think they definitely deserve some praise, even though it's it's going to sound tough coming out of a Ravens fan's mouth. Yeah. But the Chiefs is the Chiefs. The Chiefs are really good. Patrick Mahomes is incredible. Travis Kelsey, as much as we may hate him, I think is the best tight end that's ever played the game. Um, yeah, he's one of them. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I mean, so next week, Gronk, Gronk I hate. Yeah, Gronk, I mean, it's him. It's him and Gronk. It's him and Gronk. I don't really think there's anybody else. Tony Gonzalez, right. good. Anthony Gates, or yeah, Antonio Gates, good. Ozzy like, Newsom. Newsom, yeah. Ozzy, Shannon Sharp. Like, Shannon Sharp, yeah. There have been a lot of really good tight ends. I think Travis Kelsey is either 1A or 1B. Moving on. Um, the Super Bowl, 49ers open as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. They are down to one-and-a-half. Over-under is 47-and-a-half. That has not moved. Um, we're – or – not you, because I know you can't gamble, but I am going to get into my thoughts from a betting perspective next week. Um, okay. Also might have a little bit of surprise for the listeners in regards to our betting talk for the Super Bowl next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, but Josh, you and I, I think are going to get more in depth next week for the Super Bowl. We could talk about what we think. Um, yeah, that's, that's fine. I, I have an early lean. Um, I just don't see how Patrick Mahomes loses this game. That's how I'm feeling right now. Maybe that, that'll change once I get into the numbers. Probably won't. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's how I feel now. If Brock Purdy wins the ring before Lamar Jackson, I'm driving my car into a tree. That's just how I feel I'll, about it. I'll match. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's my Super Bowl thoughts. If Brock Purdy wins the ring before <laughs> Lamar Jackson, I'm driving my car into a tree. Sorry, Mom. And I'll match. Um but yeah, like I said, more on that next week. I'm just, like I said, I have an early feeling towards the Chiefs. I think the fact that they're an underdog is just, I mean, what more do you want from them? Yeah. But I mean, uh, anyway, so that's it on football for this week. Let's end on a positive note. Right here. The Orioles. I I never thought, there we go. I never I thought. Yeah, more in my Orioles t-shirt. I, yeah, I can see it. I never thought there would ever be a time in my life where I was more optimistic about the Orioles than the Ravens. Our national nightmare is over. John Angelos is selling the team. He is no longer going to be the managing owner slash chairman slash whatever the hell his title was. He's selling it to David Rubenstein and an ownership group made up of a bunch of, a bunch of people. Yes. David Rubenstein here. I actually have the list right here in front of me. Go for it. So it's headlined by David Rubenstein. The deal is for $1.725 billion. Behind David Rubenstein is Michael Arrighetti, who I don't know. Mitchell Goldstein, also don't know. Michael Smith, no idea. Here's where it gets interesting. Cal Ripken Jr., Grant Hill, Kurt Schmoke, Mike Bloomberg, and Michelle Kang. Who's Michelle Kay? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All I know I'm is sorry that those one, one name I up on. Sorry. Yeah. All I know is one, it's not John Angelos. And two, that ownership group is absolutely loaded with star power. I mean, yeah. Grant Hill, Kurt, or excuse me, Cal Ripken, Kurt Schmoke, and Mike Bloomberg. Are you kidding me? The Orioles yeah. just went from one of the least 
financially strong teams in the MLB to one of the most wealthy and strongest financially teams in the major leagues. This, I was talking to my dad about it last night. This completely changes the trajectory of the franchise because obviously, you know, we have the young talent, we have the farm system, we have everything that we want. I think everybody, or at least most Orioles fans were kind of just under the assumption that it was on borrowed time because we weren't going to extend all of these guys. If any of them, you know, maybe we get Adley done. Maybe we get somebody else, Grayson, but I, me personally, I was like, Oh yeah, Gunner. Once he's done here, he's a, he's a Scott Boris guy. So he's going to end up in New York. He's going to be a Yankee or a Red Sox or some, one of these teams that can pay him a shit ton of money. Yeah. Now the fact that we have an owner that, wants to spend money, wants to bring championships back to Baltimore and also is a Baltimore guy and grew up an Orioles fan. I mean, he went to, he went to city like, yeah, this is perfect for the Orioles, man. It is going to completely alter the future of this franchise. Like on best case scenario, we could turn into the Astros. Like we could legitimately turn into the Astros with a very young core that we can continue through this run and with Michael Elias being as good at player development and scouting and drafting and doing what he does, we could legitimately start a very serious run as a, as a franchise here. And I'm super thankful. It was honestly the only happiness that I felt all week. And that's not an exaggeration. So anyway, thank you to David Rubenstein, Josh, when you saw the news yesterday, how did you feel? I was shocked, and I got, I think you texted me. He's like, it happens. Like, I there's did. no way. This, no, it was the tweet. It was the tweet that the intern. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, there's no way this is real. Then I saw like more people start reporting. It's incredible. Reporters start reporting. It's like, oh my god, it, it finally happened. Like, John Angelus is no longer on the team, and he didn't have to die to do it. It's so awesome that yeah. like we can have a guilt-free conscience right now. Yes. Um, it's awesome that like you know he sold. Dante, I have a, a question going back to the conversation we had about the Orioles before. Is one point okay. two is what one point seven two five a lot of money billion a lot of money? Yeah, that's a lot. Okay, <laughs> so it's enough money, right? Because I, 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 I think heard, so. I heard six hundred million wasn't enough, so I didn't know if double that and a little bit more was like okay. So it must be enough money. So anyway, yeah, I'm excited for this Orioles team. I've never been so happy that someone from Duke did something good. Yes, I know how much of a like ironic thing that is for me, but you like you know whatever. Sure, Grant Hill may own a team, and he passed the ball to Christian later. I guess I could forgive him for that because he owns the Orioles now. I'm so thankful that Calvin Jr. is like embedded yes. as the owner of the Orioles. I feel like he's been the owner of the Orioles forever in my mind. Just emotionally, he has been. Like, it's it's good. Everybody's happy. Kevin Brown is free and doesn't have to worry about getting suspended for speaking facts anymore. Hallelujah. Um, just to spend money and like keep cam yards beautiful and just have a fun baseball product and we'll be fine. Um, yeah, I don't really like, I I'm shocked. I'm still shocked. I don't really know exactly what to say, but, um, yeah, yeah, no, it's time. I I feel you, man. And honestly, it's awesome. I I know, I know you and I haven't really talked about it on the show because we've been wrapped up in the Ravens postseason and all, but I think this, this probably explains why they've been pretty quiet as far as free agency goes. Like obviously they signed Craig Kimbrell, but, you know, they've been rumored to be having talks about Dylan Cease. They were somewhat very loosely attached to uh, the pitchers down in Miami, uh, Jesus Lazardo and uh, the other one whose name is escaping me. Mm-hmm. I think Elias was having a lot of those preliminary talks, but with this going on in the background, obviously he can't talk about it. He right. was He's handcuffed. He can't make any moves because he doesn't know what the status of the ownership is. But now that we have an answer 
And it proves to us that all the rumors back in whenever it was, you know, November and December about Angelos meeting with Rubenstein and having these discussions, all those are true, which thank Mm -hmm. God it, like I said, it could not be better for Baltimore. And I think the cherry on top is Rubenstein's coming in with the lease already done. So it's not like we have to worry about, you know, new owner, new ballpark, new city, new state, whatever. Rubenstein, obviously, like I said, Baltimore guy from here through and through, He's keeping the team here. He's going to do everything that he needs to, presumably, mm-hmm. to you know keep Camden Yards beautiful, keep the team here, keep you know Baltimore baseball great, keep Baltimore baseball town. Um, and what I think is personally great about the deal, especially, is the fact that he is taking up ownership, or excuse me, he's taking control right away. Yeah. So it's just some details about it. I was doing a little digging. The deal is 40% sale of the team right now. So the Angelos family and the managing partners, I, I won't say Angelos family, because the 40% is essentially John's stake. Okay. So John will, John will no longer be the managing owner of the team. However, he will be serving as sort of like a consultant to right. David Rubenstein. Yeah. And I saw a couple of people talk about they're not thrilled about that. I actually think that's a good thing because the Angelos family owns Masson. They right. own the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, and David Rubenstein's also acquiring that as part of the deal as well. Mm-hmm. So I think Angelo staying on to be consult a consultant is basically going to say like, "Hey, this is how you know we work with Masson. This is how we work in the market. This is how all this is handled," and basically just kind of show him the ropes while yeah. he becomes the actual owner and does what John should have been doing as far as the team goes a long time ago. Spending money? You mean spending money? Spending money and acquiring okay. talent? Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> got it. So, so he's acquiring Masson. John Angelos is staying on as a consultant or advisor or whatever. I think that's a good thing for those reasons. Um, once Peter Angelos passes away and they can avoid the estate tax and all that is when the other 60% will be sold and the Angelos family will be completely out of the question. Like you said, it's great that this has to happen or it doesn't have to happen for the sale to go through. And we could kind of have a, a clean conscience about it all. Yep. Um, I, I, it couldn't have come at a better time. Like I said, Um, the winter, winter meetings were like a month or so ago. So all the groundwork has been laid for any moves that Mike wants to make. And like I said, the biggest piece of this is the fact that we can finally look to extend our young players. Yep. I firmly believe within the next 12 calendar months, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson and Jackson holiday are all getting extended because of this move. Yep. I, I agree with that. And that feels good to have a young core that's actually going to stay in Baltimore. If only we yes. had this, we know Manny Machado and Adam Jones were here, but you know, it's <laughs> a better late than ever, I guess. Hey, beggar, beggars can't be choosers, that, I guess. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but so, I'm excited. Anyway, I'm, excited I'm, I am super excited. This is a fantastic move. It's great for the city of Baltimore. It's great for the Orioles. Um, like I said, it's the first time I've ever been more optimistic about the Orioles' future than I am the Ravens, which is certainly a heavy statement. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all this to be said, I'm going to be at opening day. I'm going to be at Pickles. I'm going to be throwing down orange crushes like it's my job. Um, and honestly, I cannot freaking wait for this Orioles season. I am so goddamn excited. Yeah, I'm still I'm still morning football being over, but I am so excited for baseball season once it comes around. Once it gets here, I'll be ready. I'll have a new hat and everything. I got to get my you know I got to get a new hat because I lost an old one somewhere. So uh, I'm hey, ready they for baseball. Did, 
they did debut a new hat. I don't know if you watched the uh, I did. training trailer. I saw it. It looked really cool. It was like the old 1954 logo, right? Yeah. Yeah, with with the with the, the five panel, the black and the white and the orange. Yeah, yeah, it looks nice. It looks nice. So one. I have to get me one. Yeah, uh, like I said, I'm glad we're ending on a high note because we certainly need it. I'm definitely going to be morning football for at least the next two months. But once baseball's here, then then we're off and running. So absolutely. Extend Adley, extend Gunner, extend Jackson. I don't care if he hasn't played a major league snap yet or not, or pitch. I should, I guess I should say. Close enough. Extend them all get them all locked up and and then david rubenstein will be invited to my house for thanksgiving there we go i'll match <laughs> uh all right i think we can put a bow on that one episode 90 in the books coming up on 100 which is wow. just crazy to think about um we'll have to we'll have to do something fun for 100 if and when we get there but um josh i appreciate you jumping on and talking with me man um like i said this was this was a very much needed group therapy session for me so i appreciate that from you um before we get out of here like i said a little bit of a little bit of a special surprise coming for the super bowl talk next week as far as the gambling goes uh a guest or maybe not a guest we should call him will be on the show um josh have a great week man uh hopefully this uh Hopefully the Ravens news gets a little bit better over the next couple of days and, you know, we don't have to mourn anymore. Well, but, there's only so much worse it can get. So <laughs> I know. I feel like Josh Allen, you know, on the bright side, we woke up today. So that was the bright side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Guys. I'm kidding. I, this is all sarcasm and all know, fun and games, I, all fun and games. All right, man. Episode 90 in the books. Josh, can't thank you enough, my brother. I will talk to you next week. Everybody have a safe week. Happy week. Into February we go. Until next week. Peace.
Never 